In the ranching community, uh, there is there's this uh, practice that we talked about last week, and it's called neighboring. Neighboring, and you say, well, "What does that mean?" Well, if you are neighboring with a, you know, a neighbor ranch next to you, that means when it's time for you to go to work, let's say on your ranch, gather cattle, or you know, uh, work your calves, or gather them in the fall so you can wean calves. That neighboring means that your neighbor or someone down the road or another crew from another ranch is going to come over and they're going to help you work your calves, gather your calves, maybe ship, you know, yearlings or whatever it is. Um, it's a common practice. It's a it's an act of you know just love or kindness or whatever that you that you show your neighbor because again it saves money. You don't have to pay a crew um, when they come and help you. Then obviously in return you go and you help them on their ranch as well. Well. I started a series called Neighboring, Neighboring, Love Your Neighbor or Loving Your Neighbor as Yourself. And here's the point. I believe that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to love our neighbor and serve them for the glory of God. Last week, we talked about uh, part one, and it was about uh, Luke chapter 10, and it was the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember the remember this story? I mean, there's an expert in the law. He comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, you know, how, what must I do to go to heaven? And Jesus said, like every good teacher, he said, I don't know, you tell me. And he looked at the expert, and the expert actually got the answer right by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the expert said, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? To which Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And out of the story, we learn three things. You ready? If you're taking notes from last week, this is a recap. Number one was this. Neighboring is more about the how than the who. It's more about the how we love our neighbor than the who we neighbor, right? The truth is this. The who is already settled. The Good Samaritan served his enemy. We are obviously going to serve those that love us, the, you know, our family, all those good things. But, but to, to, to get it right, we have to love everyone. We have to serve everyone. So the who is settled. What God wants us to worry more about is the how. And then God says how. And, and second point was this. Neighboring means we love others as we love ourselves. In other words, I love myself. I, I take care of myself. I pray for myself. I, you know, uh, pour into myself. I feed myself. I water myself. I, I, you know, I do all those things for me. And God says, hey, I want you to love your neighbor just like you love yourself. And so you say, well, how do I do that? Well, you love your neighbor as yourself. Number three was this. Neighboring should be done in Jesus' name. It should be done in Jesus' name. Not our name, not the you know, name of anybody else, but in Jesus' name. And you say, well, what does that look like? Well, it means that we have a genuine love for people. Um, you know, and sometimes our love is extravagant. Sometimes it exceeds the, the reasonable way of loving people. I mean, think about the Good Samaritan. I mean, he took that guy in that was beat up by some bandits, and he took him in, took him to an inn, and he put him in a room, and he said to the innkeeper, he said, hey, if this guy needs food, I'll pay for it. If this guy needs shelter for a few more days, I'll pay for it, right? He loved this guy extravagantly. And, and they were, again, they were enemies. They hated each other. Or their race, their different, you know, races hated each other. But he showed love extravagantly. And you say, well, why should we do that? Well, here's what I, here's what I learned. And here's what I, we taught last week. When we love others, guess what? We're showing love to Christ. 
Christ is, is glorified when we show love to others. And we love our neighbor extravagantly because that's the way that God loves us. That's the way that he loves us. I mean, he gave his son Jesus. That's pretty extravagant. Uh, that's beyond reason. That's, that's excessive love. And so that's what, that's what we learned last week. And, and all throughout the Bible, we, we read this idea of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Another example is this, is another religious teacher comes and asks Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the Bible? He's testing Jesus. And he says, what's the most important commandment in the Bible? Look at Mark 12. Look at Jesus' answer. It says in Mark 12, it says, One of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which one is most what? Let's say it together. Which one is most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is what? Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Here's the thing. It's so it's so weird to me. Not weird, but it's so it just catches me by surprise that God says, "Hey, I want you to love me with all your heart." And equally important to loving me is loving your neighbor. So these are the greatest commandments that I can give you, the greatest commandments. And so, why would we neglect those? Why would we not want to focus in on those? Well. I don't know about you, but I, when I was growing up, I grew up, um, I was born in Bethany, Oklahoma. And you know, anybody know where Bethany is? Yeah. Born in Bethany, Oklahoma. Then we moved to Mustang, Oklahoma. And so my dad bought a little five acre plot there. It was on kind of a little dead end road. And, and, and I had some neighbors. I, I had some uh, good friends that were neighbors. Um, I remember guys like Toby Wilkerson, his dad, um, they like to restore cars, and so they, we had an old Ford pickup that was sitting there. My dad wanted to restore, and so anyways, he didn't do it, so that guy bought it. And then Toby, when he got in high school, he actually drove this old pickup that my dad had. I remember hanging out with Toby. I mean, they had cows, you know, across the road, and I remember one time one of them died. And just like any other good sixth grader or fifth grade, you know, seventh grader, we went and played on this dead cow. We played on it. I remember poking. I'll never forget it. I remember poking that dead cow in the stomach and that gas coming out of that thing because it was dead, and it just made me want to Ralph. You say, what's Ralph? That means upchuck. It, it was so bad. I remember playing on Toby's. Uh, they had some dogs, and they had these dog houses, and, and, and I remember playing on those dog houses one day, and there was a wasp nest in there. It had like 89 wasps, and I got stung like 12 or 15 times, and I came home, and I was stung all over. I remember, you know, going to the going to their house, and, and back in the day, we had three wheelers, not four wheelers. Anybody have a three wheeler growing up, or know somebody that had a three wheeler? Yes, we had three wheelers. To this day, I, I'll say this about my brother. To this day, I, I never understood how he talked my dad into this. But my my brother, when we were growing up in junior high, he actually talked my dad into buying him a KX five hundred. Kawasaki 500 motorcycle with kick band. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ride a motorcycle back in the day? Yes. I mean, this sucker was just a, a outstandingly fast. But my brother talked him into it, um, and my brother didn't take care of it and ran it out of oil, and he sold it to the junkyard for like five bucks. 
But anyways, going back to my friends, my neighbors, again, we had, we had awesome times. But, but here's the thing. We weren't perfect. How many of you guys had those friends growing up and those neighbors growing up where one day you were friends, the next day you were throwing blows? Anybody? Yes. I mean, we had, we had our fights. I mean, we had our quirks. We had our, you know, our, 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 we were jerks to each other. I mean, we would get into fights over nothing. I mean, we called each other's name, you know, each other names. We would hate each other for like three or four days. And then the next time, you know, he'd be driving by on his three-wheeler and I'd hop on. We'd go ride three-wheelers together. Remember? You could get into a fight with your neighbor, your friend, and, and then it would all, you know, come back and you were friends again. Again, we, we all had our messed up ideas and, and we all had our problems and quirks and, and we all had weaknesses. We all had strengths. But in spite of that, we were still neighbors and we were still friends. And you say, well, what does all that have to do with the lesson today? Well, I think a lot of times, I think people look at, you know, other people in need or look at other, their neighbor and they go, how, how can I neighbor anyone? Cause I have all my issues, you know, myself. I mean, how can I, you know, how can I love like God wants me to love when I'm screwed up myself? And, 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 and they say, well, you know, I, I can't help anybody, you know, my neighbor, you know, grow spiritually because I'm messed up spiritually. I can't help them emotionally because I'm messed up emotionally or physically. And we don't, you know, again, we don't have it all together. But, and we think, hey, I, I can't help anybody else. I can't love my neighbor like I should. Because I'm messed up myself. Well, here's the point. When it comes to neighboring the way that God has called us to do, number four is this. Our weaknesses connect us to our neighbor. It's, it's our weaknesses that actually connect us to our neighbor. So many people, they look at, again, life and they go, hey, I'm too shy. God can't use me. I'm too shy. I, I, or I'm too loud. I talk way too much and my mouth gets me in trouble. I can't you know, help somebody else. I can't help somebody else grow. I'm too tall, right? I'm too, you know, too short. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. You know, I'm too old. I'm past my prime. I can't help my neighbor. I can't help anybody out. Or I'm too young, right? Or I'm not from a rich family and, you know, I'm just a farmer. Well, here's, here's what I want you to learn today. God doesn't have to, you don't have to be perfect for God to use you to love others. Are you with me? You don't have to be perfect. Again, we all have our, our, our weaknesses. We all have our flaws. We all have, you know, all this stuff going on in our lives. But God says, in spite of that, I want you to love your neighbor. Here's, here's what we've done in our world. You ready? I think we've divided, you know, our world into two categories. Those that need help and those that offer help. Think about it. I mean, you look around and you go, oh, they, yeah, they just always need help. They always need help. And you look around and you always say, oh, yeah, they're always offering help. They're always offering help. Here's the point. I believe that we're, we're both. We're in need of both. We, we are all in need of help, but we are all called to offer help. Are you with me? Again, I don't know if you realize that or not, but we all need help and we're all called to offer help. And so you say, well, if I, if I don't have to be perfect... To love my neighbor, what does it take to be used by the Lord? Well, Micah 6, 8 gives us an answer. It says this. It says, what can we what? What can we bring to the Lord? What kind of offerings should we give him? Should we bow down before God with offerings of, of yearling calves? Should we offer you know, him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? 
No, you shouldn't. Some of you guys are like, that was a good idea. Uh, no, we don't, we don't sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins. No, oh people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is what? Right, to love, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Here's what God's saying. He's saying, hey, if, you, I, if I can use you to love your neighbor, here's what I ask of you. I just want you to strive to do what is right according to the word of God. I want you to, to love mercy. In other words, love being kind. Love pouring that out because here's the, here's the truth. That's how God loves us. I mean, he showed us all kinds of mercy. And he, so he says, I want you to love mercy and I want you to walk humbly. And when you screw up, I want you to, Jesus says, I want you to confess it to me, accept my forgiveness, and make yourself available to be used again. Again, so many times we're like, oh, I'm just in need. I have all these needs. I can't, you know, take care of myself. I can't do that. No, God says, hey, I'll forgive you of all those things, and I'll help you with all those things, and I want you to be used, and I want you to offer help to your neighbor as well. And so when we're striving for these things, you know, and we still struggle, guess what? The Lord's power is actually made perfect in our weakness. Again, so many times we think, well, our weakness is, God can't use those. I, you know, I don't know how to get over those. Well, the, the, the truth is this. The power that God has is made perfect in your weakness. Look at Paul, one of the greatest followers of Jesus in the Bible. He knew what it was like to strive to honor the Lord and still struggle with weaknesses. Look at it. 2 Corinthians 12, it says, Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said what? My grace is all you need. And my power works best in weakness. So I'm glad to boast in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults and hardship and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Here's, here, here's uh, you may not believe this, but I make mistakes as a pastor. <laughs> I know that's, you know, big news for you. But I do. I make mistakes as a pastor. I make mistakes as a father. I make mistakes as a husband. I make mistakes as a friend. But here's what I'm learning. In many cases, it's my failures that God says, hey, I want to take that failure. I want to take that struggle. And I want to use it to help someone else. And so what I go through, God says, hey, you know, I, I want to use that. I want you to teach that to other people. Because here's what I've learned. I can impress you with my strengths, but I connect with you through my weaknesses. That's what, that's what we do. We connect through our weaknesses. And the same is true in life. God wants us to use our weaknesses, or he wants to use our weaknesses to connect and help other people too. And so you say, well, I don't know how God can use my weaknesses. Well, here, here's the thing. Maybe you, your neighbor's need is something that you used to need. Maybe it's something that you used to struggle with. You used to maybe deal with an addiction. And now you've overcome it through the power of God, through the forgiveness of God. You've overcome an addiction. And God says, hey, I, I, I want to use that you know, need that you used to have, that weakness to, that you used to have. I want to use it to help your neighbor. 
And so you may have had, again, maybe an addiction. Maybe you, you struggle with insecurity. And by claiming God's truth over your life, you found strength and confidence in him. Guess what? God says, hey, I want to use your old weakness, your old need to minister to someone else. I want you to teach them how they can overcome their insecurity as well. Maybe uh, your struggle or your weakness is bitterness. You hold grudges or you're full of anger or you used to be. And you found strength through God to forgive those that have hurt you. Those that have, you know, done you wrong, whatever it is. And God's saying, hey, I, I want you to use your, you know, your bitterness that you've overcome. I want to use that so that you can help others find victory as well. Again, maybe you deal with depression or a failed business. The thing that, here's what I've learned. The thing that you think is going to sink you is actually what God says. I, I want to show my power through that. If you'll just let me use it. And so, again, it's our weaknesses that connect us to our neighbor. Here's number five, and I'm done. Our love connects our neighbor to Jesus. It's our weaknesses that connect us to our neighbor, but it's our love that connects our neighbor to Jesus. Look at Mark 12. It says this, and you must what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And second is equally important, what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You see the two words that we repeated? Love. Our love connects our neighbor to Jesus. I mean, love is the common denominator. It changes things. It attracts people to Jesus. It, it, it heals people's wounds. And therefore, it's love for our neighbor that can ultimately lead others to Jesus. You know what the Bible says? The Bible said God, says God is love. It says love casts out all fear. Love conquers all. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And you say, well, what does that look like? Well, Jesus actually gave us the, the, the greatest example of what love is. I mean, he loved everybody, right? I mean, he loved the Pharisee, which was the religious jerks of the day. He loved thieves. He loved prostitutes, right? He loved diseased people. He loved poor people. He loved children. And he loved sinners. I mean, he, loved, he hung out with sinners probably more than he did religious people. And so because we are loved by him, we are called to love like him. And so... We've been set free, again, by his love so that we can set others free. Look at Galatians chapter 5. It says, for you have been called to live in what? Freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom or do not, yeah, do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to what? Serve one another in love. For the whole law is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so here's the point. You've been set free so that you can show others how to be set free. Are you with me? You've been set free from your sin and your shame and your past and all the things that, you know, the sin and the weaknesses. You've been set free from all those things so that you can be used to serve others so that they can be set free as well. Here's the point. Some of you are the only Bible that someone else will read. Your life is the only Bible that they're ever going to see. 
And so if you are showing God's love to people, guess what? They're going to want to embrace the God that you serve. If you're forgiving them, if you're, you know, helping them, if you're serving them, again, you're loving others as you love yourself, then they're going to want to know Jesus. And so it's our love that brings us and brings our neighbor to Jesus. I'll give you an example of this. Um, The greatest person in my life that has shown me that love brings others to Jesus is my former youth minister when I was growing up. His name is Billy Morgan. Um, he's a great guy. He's, uh, you know, bald now, but he, um, <laughs> he, he, cause we made him bald because we were in his youth group. And so all his hair fell out because we were so, you know, weird. Anyways. Um, so Billy is the greatest example of loving others to Jesus in our youth group. We probably had, you know, 150 to 200 kids in our youth group growing up. I mean, it was huge. I mean, it was, I mean, we only had like five, 600 people in the whole church and we had like 150 to 200 kids in our youth group. And you say, well, how did that happen? Well, here's, here's what I figured out. I was, I was, I grew up in that youth group and then I came back in college and I was a youth intern um, at, at that church underneath Billy. And here's what I learned. He, and here's what he told me pretty much every time. He said, just love them. Just love people. We had drug dealers, we had drug users, we had sluts, we had jocks, we had, you know, uh, you know, stoners, we had preps, we had them all. We had every personality in our community, Duncan, Oklahoma. We had every personality in our youth group because Billy knew how to just love people. And so you say, well, what is all that, that point of that? Well, again, loving others, it's what brings people to Jesus. It's what connects our neighbor to him. And can I just let you in on a little secret? When you start loving others, it gets messy. You say, well, it shouldn't be messy. I mean, it should be awesome because you're loving others. No, it gets messy because, you know, just like you, you know, your neighbor deals with some pretty ugly sin. And your neighbor deals with some pretty ugly weaknesses. Um, But what we have to remember is, you know, Jesus loves us in spite of our ugliness, in spite of our weaknesses. Therefore, we are called to love our neighbor in spite of theirs. And, And it works. I mean, Jesus loves us in spite of that. And we're called to do the same. Romans 3, 23. Look at it with me. It says, for everyone is what? Everyone's sin. We all Fall short of the God's glory's standard. Yet God, with undeserving kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he, what? When he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Again, you've been set free so that you can set others free. Your weaknesses can be used by God to see other people be set free. And so here in closing, here's the question, the first question that I have. Have you been set free by the love of Jesus? I mean, have you accepted Jesus into your life as your personal Lord and Savior? Because here's the thing. You cannot love as Jesus would want you to love without having Jesus in your own life. You're going to fail every time. The things when I try to do things on my own and, and by myself and I don't include Jesus in them, guess what? I fail. And so you think, well, I'm going to be able to love my neighbor, and I don't have to love Jesus. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to do all that stuff. No, it's hard. It's hard with Jesus. (laughs) Can I get an amen? 
It's hard enough with Jesus. And so you're going to need him. You need him so that you can serve others in his strength. And so have you been set free by the love of Jesus? I hope that you have. Here's the second question. Are you offering the freedom you found in Christ to your neighbor? Again, this is what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. And so you, are you offering that freedom in spite of your weaknesses to your neighbor? It can change their life for eternity, just like it's changed your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Again, some of you guys are here today, and you may not know Jesus personally. You may have never accepted his love. You may think, well, I'm I'm screwed up. I'm messed up. I got all these failures and sin in my life. Listen, Jesus loved you so much that he came and he was born on this earth. He died on a cross so that you could be set free from your sin. And so, listen, you have a choice to make today. Are you going to choose to accept his love? Are you going to say, well, I'm not good enough yet. I haven't worked out everything that I need to work out. No, here, here's, let me let you in on a little secret. You'll never be good enough for him. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be clean enough. The cool thing is you come to him dirty and he cleans you up. And so again, maybe you're here today and you've never accepted his cleansing power over your sin. You've never accepted, you know, his forgiveness. You've never accepted his love. Listen, you can do that today. The Bible says that if you'll confess him as your Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You say, what does that mean? Well, it means that if you confess him as your Lord... Believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. You can be set free from the sin, the weaknesses, the failures, all those things you can be set free from. And guess what? You can also receive eternal life. So again, maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus. One of the things we love to be able to do is is give you an opportunity to, to confess him as your Lord and Savior. And so maybe right there in your seat, In your own heart, you don't have to pray out loud, but maybe you just need to pray a prayer of salvation. Maybe you just pray something like this. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus, I know that that you offer me your love. And today, I'm surrendering. And I'm accepting your love. Forgive me of my sin. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Maybe you're here today and you prayed that prayer for the very first time. I'm telling you, you just made the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Now your eternity is destined for heaven. Now you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now you're going to be able to experience the unconditional love that never fails, that is always there, that always perseveres, that always goes through everything in life with you. And that's the love of Jesus. And so we praise God that you prayed that prayer today.
You say, what do I do now? Well, now it's time to walk in that new relationship with him and to glorify him with your life. Again, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all you've got. And now love your neighbor as yourself. And so, again, maybe you just made that decision. We just praise God for that. Maybe you're here today and you know Jesus already. And the question that you need to ask is, God, who do you want me to love as I love myself? Who do you want me to neighbor? Maybe a a person's face comes to your mind. Maybe it's somebody that's an enemy. Maybe it's somebody that's a family member or a friend. Again, ask God. Say, God, who is it that you want me to neighbor? Who is it that you want me to, to meet their physical needs? Maybe pay a bill here and there. Maybe show up with a shovel and help them shovel dirt. Maybe, you know, mow their yard. Maybe, you know, feed their family. Whatever. Who is it, Lord, that you want me to neighbor? Again, God has called you to neighbor others by showing love to them. Some of you are here today and you're like, man, I got so many weaknesses. I don't know if I can neighbor right. I don't know if I can neighbor the way that God wants me to neighbor. Listen. Maybe you just need to confess those to the Lord and say, Lord, I know that I've failed in this area. I know that I've fallen short in this area, but I'm asking you to use my weaknesses to connect me to my neighbor so that my neighbor can connect to you. Again, maybe you just need to confess your weaknesses, your sin, your failure. Lord, I just come to you, and I thank you that you use me in spite of my weaknesses. I thank you that though I've fallen short and though I've sinned against you, that you have forgiven me, and you choose to use me anyways. And so, Lord, I pray today that those that are in this room that think they can't be used to love the neighbor like they should because they've got their own issues, I pray that they would take those issues to you and then begin to be able to be used by you. And so, Lord, show us what it looks like to love our neighbor and help us to do it, not just believe it. May we do it in your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.